Turn in your scriptures, please. Uh, take your scriptures. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Started last Sunday a series of lessons that I think will take us up to Christmas on this business of grace. Grace. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And as you find that, I will note that this Wednesday evening we will not be having service. We will give you that time as we do every year so that you could be with your family or otherwise involved in the spirit of thanksgiving. Not this, no service this Wednesday evening. We'll resume next Sunday morning. For our brothers who come for Monday night prayer, we'll do that tomorrow at 7 because we always need to pray as long as we can, as much as we can. If you're available, 7 tomorrow for prayer. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machah, the son of Amiel, In Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, this is Mephibosheth speaking, What is your servant that you should look upon him, upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belong to Saul and all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Misha, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba's servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. May the Lord add His blessings to His Word. Would you say amen to that? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
grace. Undeserving. Yet so rewarding. Let me introduce four personalities that are the main people of this lesson on grace. First, there's Saul. Saul was extended great grace by God in that God elected him to be the first king of Israel. Divine favor, first king of Israel. In God's continued favor in Saul's life, he blessed him with children, one of whom was Jonathan, the second of the personalities to whom I'd like you to be introduced. Jonathan, the son of Saul, the prince of Israel, was perhaps in line for his father's throne. As God blessed Saul, he blessed Jonathan. And Jonathan had a family, and to him was born a son by the name of Mephibosheth, who would be the grandson of Saul. That would be the third of the people I'd like you to meet. And then the fourth of those that you need to know would be David. He would later become King David. He would succeed the throne of Saul. Because Saul would have repeatedly disobeyed God. And as a result of his repeated disobedience and rebellion... He would fall out of favor with God. And God, after warning him several times to get back on track, he would not. So God said, not only will I remove you, Saul, from the throne I gave you, but none of your descendants will follow you. Your legacy will die. And thus David would become king. So we pick up the story with this person by the name of Mephibosheth. Who is Mephibosheth other than a person who has a name that I can't hardly pronounce? You read about him first in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4. It's on the screen. The Bible says Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth would never forget that day. Word quickly spread throughout the countryside that his grandfather, King Saul, and his father, Prince Jonathan, are dead because of the battle they lost. And now David is king. At the house of Jonathan, that news not only brought great grief, but it also brought panic as well. In that day and time of kings and dynasty in the Old Testament, 
It was customary that if a king took the throne, he'd often eliminate the family of the king who preceded him. And all the more so, it seemed likely that David would want to eliminate Saul's family and his descendants because it was Saul who tried to kill David about five different times because he got jealous over the fact that God rejected him and chose David. So if David wanted to secure that there would be no legacy or nobody else coming through the royal bloodline to threaten his throne, it would seem that he would kill all of Saul's descendants. So, little Mephibosheth was playing in the room, oblivious to the fact that his daddy was dead and his granddaddy was dead and his life would be in danger when his nurse came running into the room knowing that she needs to secure him somewhere. She grabs him up off of the ground and she flees out of the house and runs down the dirt path to find a place of security and in a haste to rescue the child, she and the child fell down and when they fell down, he became lame in both of his feet because of his injury. She dropped him. As Mephibosheth got older and was now in a place of safety away from David's attention, he began to reflect on his life. And Mephibosheth believed that there would never be a day that would so impact his life and so affect his future like the day that he was dropped. Now, instead of destined for greatness, he's destined for destitution. Instead of eventually going to live the life of a prince, he would live the life of a pauper. He would never forget the day he was dropped. Have you ever been dropped? You know what I mean. But Mephibosheth would discover that soon would come another day. <laughs> you, I've studied this, so I know where I'm going, so I'm getting happy. Everybody say another day. Everybody say thank God for another day. Mephibosheth would discover that one day there would come another day that would be far greater than the day he was dropped. The day that he would find grace. Grace is a dirty word for the devil. And you know he's got lots of dirty words. But he don't like the word grace. You see, this business of grace is the power behind the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel the Lord here. The gospel that you hear preach and you read about and you witness to is a gospel of grace. Ephesians 5, pardon me, Ephesians 2 and 8 says... For by grace you've been saved through faith. Oh, help me, somebody. Uh, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, lest anyone shall boast. Oh, it's, it's the power behind the gospel. This word grace, while the devil hates it so much, is because it is also the wonder of the gospel. Let's don't dress it up. You knew 
what you were and who you were when grace found you. I do too what, what I am, what I was. The wonder of the gospel is that we, like Mephibosheth, was lame. I don't mean necessarily literally lame, but sin lames you. The wonder of the gospel is Jesus and God knowing all he knows about us would still consider us valuable. What would King David want with a lame man anyhow? What could a lame man bring to a king? What could I and you and you and you and you and you and you on the DVD? You, yeah, you. Look up here. I'm talking to you. What could we bring to God that God can already give for himself? But the wonder of the gospel is that he chose us anyhow. This word grace makes the devil mad because it's not only the power of the gospel and the wonder of the gospel, but it is the distinction of the gospel. No other religion in the world affords grace like Christianity. Hinduism, Islam, and all the other isms, many of which you read about, calls for a salvation by works, by uh, your effort alone, by uh, self-affliction and other kinds of things that in order to appease their gods you must do to yourself or some other kind of way. No other gospel has the distinction of the fact that God, by His grace, has extended us salvation. And no wonder grace has been defined as God's favor that is unearned, undeserved, and unrepayable. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So here we are in the story this morning. David, by the time we get to 2 Samuel chapter 9, has been so blessed of God. God has elevated him to a a time in his reigning as king where there's no more war around him. He's already subdued all his enemies. He's got more servants than he can count. He's got more soldiers than he can count. He's got horses and chariots available to him. He doesn't only have one mansion. He has mansions. He's got herds and livestock and fields and property. People go at his command and come at his command. He doesn't want for anything or lack for anything. 
And one day as he sits in his palace looking over his past, he's thinking, how did I get from being a shepherd boy in a pasture field doing the lowly job as a shepherd and nobody giving me the time of day, a little old freckle-faced teenage boy, and God finds me and gives me the power over a bear when he comes after my sheep and I kill the bear with my bare hands, and God gives me the power over a lion when they come after my father's sheep and give me the power to kill a lion with my bare hand. How did I get from being a little freckle-faced guy, perfecting a slingshot, and facing a giant that caused the enemy of Israel, or Israel's uh, troops, to run and hide for 40 days, a giant by the name of Goliath, nine feet tall, whose spear and shield are heavier than I weigh. How did I get from there and taking one stone and God hitting that giant by the, in the head uh, and causing him to die? How did I get favor from God that he takes me from a shepherd boy and makes me king of his people. It must be grace. And he's thinking, surely, just as God demonstrated his grace to me, I could find somebody that I could demonstrate some grace to. You know, you you didn't get where you got to, and neither did I, by ourselves. Uh, Your blessings, your favor, and I know we got a lot to gripe about, but this is Thanksgiving. We got a lot to be grateful for. And if you look at your life and I look at my life, we didn't get here by our own intellect and our own education and our own genealogy and our own smarts and our own clothes and our own whatever jobs. We got here on somebody else's shoulder or somebody gave us a hand or gave us a letter or gave us a recommendation or gave us a prayer or gave us forgiveness or gave us an embrace. Somebody put your hands together and praise God for somebody else. David's thinking, I got to this place in my throne because along my journey, there was a man by the name of Jonathan who was Saul's son who befriended me. Now, I don't have time to go back and read it, and you can at your own leisure. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, the Bible says in verse 13 and following, how when Jonathan, the son of Saul, realized that the anointing of God had gone off his father... And his father repeatedly violated God's wishes and that God was now elevating David to be the next king. Jonathan and David had already begun to be boyhood friends and they were now in their young manhood. And Jonathan said, you know, I realize my father intends evil for you, but I know God's anointing is on you. And we've been friends and I'll keep being your friends. Let's make a covenant. After God removed my father from the throne and puts you on the throne, would you take care of me, David? And I'll bless you and make sure no evil comes to you. And he he makes a covenant with David, Jonathan and David. And he says, look, even if I were to die, would you continue to take care of my family, my children and my grandchildren? Let's make a covenant of grace together. And, And Jonathan, on more than one occasion, warned David of his father's potential threat and his father's, uh, way of trying to kill David. And Jonathan spared his life more than once as a result of Jonathan's friendship and Jonathan's information to David. David's life was spared and he was allowed to be king. He didn't get there by his own power. And so, I think this is Thanksgiving time. We need to reflect on how we got here. And we need to think about this business of grace. And so I will say to you that grace, number one, will find you first. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
David in the text says, Is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? For David, grace began in his throne room of his palace. Grace that would go all the way down to Mephibosheth began in the throne room. For you and I, long before we were ever born, the grace that came to us began in the throne room of God. God would find us. Excuse me. We didn't find Him. He found us. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Grace will find you first. Grace not only will find you first, but God's grace remembers us. Mephibosheth was forgotten by his nation. Mephibosheth was abandoned by his family. There was no reason to remember Mephibosheth. But out of God's grace, David remembers Jonathan and the covenant he makes. And David says, I told Jonathan, although he died the very day his father died, that as my kingdom unfolds and I have the favor of God, I'm going to remember his family. When David made the inquiry, is there, is there not anybody of the house of Saul or Jonathan that I can bless? I got so much grace. Ziba, who was a former servant of Saul and knew the family's genealogy, said, yes, there is. Before Ziba calls the name of the descendant, Ziba says, uh, he's lame. So before I give you any detail, let me just tell you he's lame and he's crippled. So that way you can just tell me, Ziba, to go back and do my work. Because I know, King, you don't want no business with no lame man. Oh, I feel like, yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all okay? I know. Sometimes it's just me in it. But that's okay. I need the therapy. And so what you have here is, oh, help me, Jesus. Ziba says, we'll just end this conversation right now. Because if you're going to remember somebody, you might want to remember somebody of the family who could be in your military. Find somebody of Saul or Jonathan's family who could be one of your military commanders. Who could make you look good. Find somebody in his family. Let's go find somebody else who could be a servant to you. Now, David says, where is he? Because not only, oh, help me, Lord Jesus. Sometimes you just give grace because it's pure grace with no other agenda. Sometimes you just love and you forgive and you bless, not what you can get from it. Sometimes you just raise God and uh, praise God, raise your hands in service, whether you feel like it or not. You sing whether you feel like it or not. You tithe and give your offering whether you feel like it or not. Sometimes you just do whatever you do just because God's already been so good to you. You, you just don't have to have Him give you something back. Pure grace. But grace not only remembers us, grace pursues us. Say amen, church. Grace will go wherever you are. Again, you didn't find God. God found you. David says, okay, Ziba, he is lame. That's no problem for me. His name is Mephibosheth. Where is he? And Ziba says, he is in Lodabar. Lodabar. Loda who? 
Well, David knows about Lodabar. It's not very popular. The very word Lodabar means not having. It means pastureless. Lodabar was a town full of forgotten people, including Mephibosheth. Lodabar. David said he's in Lodabar? In Lodabar, we would find the lost, the unskilled, the uneducated, the cast off from society. In Lodabar, we'll find the people who are scorned by other people. Those that we would pass by and pay no attention to. That's the Lodabar. In Lodabar, we would find the people who would just be another government statistic on the poor. Lodabar is the kind of place where you go to study people if you're a Ph.D. candidate on social concerns. You're, you're hearing me, aren't you? He's in Lodabar. Lodabar was full of estranged folk with no family, no job, poverty-stricken, and barely getting by from day to day. Lodabar was full of runaways, street people, all with a story, all with a broken past, such as people you'd find in downtown Atlanta on the streets or under the bridge or L.A. or Miami. You're, you're hearing me here, somebody. Lodabar is a place where everybody has a broken story to tell and some misfortune that came their way. And, and if you want to know the truth, in 2012, November 18, we all live in Lodabar somewhere. We all know somebody in Lodabar. We drive through Lodabar. We drive around Lodabar. We ignore Lodabar because it's a graceless place. Where is he? He is in Lodabar. Go find him. Fetch him. You remember where you were when grace found you? The prodigal son was in a hog pen, slopping hogs, fighting for slop after he had rebelled against his father and wasted his father's money and cursed his family's name and said to his dad, Fully on your name. Grace found him and cleaned him up and brought him back to the table. That's some of us. Grace found Joseph in a pit. The pit which was dug by his brothers to either bury him alive, but they eventually sold him into slavery. Grace found Joseph in a pit and elevated him 17 years later to become the prime minister of Egypt where one day he would feed the hungry bellies of the same guys who tried to kill him. I just feel like something good is about to happen. You remember the woman whom Jesus met at the well of Samaria at midday? Women didn't usually come to draw water at midday. They came in the morning or the evening. She came at midday knowing that the population at the well's mouth would be nobody but her because she was discovered to be a woman of ill repute. When Jesus identified her, he said, you don't have one husband, ma'am. You got five. I could preach there, but I'm going to go on mind my own business for grace sake. He found her in a mess, but he left the town in revival. 
Do you? Oh, I know, I know, I know. I know I'm not T.D. Jakes and I'm not John Hagee. I'm just a little struggling Indian loudmouth, but I'm having a good time. Do you remember where you were when grace found you? I don't need you to turn me down, brother. I need somebody to hear me. Yes, I just feel like if you'll let grace help you. Oh, my, my, my. Grace not only pursues us, grace carries us. When the king's chariot and horsemen and servants showed up in Lodebar, barren, behind God's back place, which is where some of us were when God found us. And they inquired at the house of Amiel, does Mephibosheth live here? Yes, he does. We've come to escort him to the king. Oh, but uh, he's lame in both feet. Very well. We will come in and carry him. Ooh, we. I can't tell you the time God's carried me. I can't tell you that times when I sang, nobody knows the troubles I see. And God carried me. I can't tell you the time when I felt like I was in, uh, in a lonely load of our place. I, the prayer bells of heaven wouldn't ring. My prayer wouldn't even get past the ceiling. I can't tell you the time when the grace of God scooped me up out of my lameness and said, Don't worry, I didn't come to see what you could do for me. I know you let me down. I know like Peter, you denied me. And like Judas, you betrayed me. Don't sit in that chair looking like you're somebody. God carried you. God carried me. One for the grace of God. We'd be dead today. But God's grace carried us. God's still carrying us. Yeah. When you can't come to where he is, he'll come to where you are. Mm, I didn't call to, he didn't call me to sing, but I feel Paul says, three times I prayed for God to deliver me from the thorn in my flesh. Three times the same prayer. And God ain't answered yet. Yes, God did answer it. 2 Corinthians it says, God said, For my grace is sufficient, say, for you and my strength. Is made perfect. Between last year and now, some of you have gone through a divorce you didn't ask for. And you would give your arm if you could restore it. But grace will carry you. Between last year and now, some of you have suffered even more adverse effects of, of your addiction or your habit that you thought you licked. And now, here you are today alive when you should have been dead. 
because that thing that was afflicting you was destined to kill you, but grace carried you. Between last year and now, you lost your job. You got minimum wage, but thank God you got a can of soup if you need it. And you got a can opener and you got a little propane heater or something. I tell you, I don't know how God's going to end your story, but I know that you are a product of grace right now, this Sunday morning. Grace will remember us and pursue us and carry us. Let me tell you something else about grace. If I hadn't rung your bell yet, let's see if I can do a better job. Grace is where you abandon your crippled past. You abandon your crippled life. Where well, I abandoned my crippled life. You see, not only was Mephibosheth crippled in his feet, but his whole life was crippled. And if he wanted to, he could allow bitterness to keep him from grace. He could have said, I ain't going nowhere David is. Because one for David, I wouldn't be lame. Well, it wasn't David's fault he was lame. It was his own grandfather's fault for disobeying God. And the nurse stripped. But bitterness can help you make up all kind of scenarios in your head where you and I can obstruct the grace of God when we get bitter. Did anybody hear me? Just imagine this is, listen, just imagine this is poison, okay? The poison of bitterness. I'm drinking the poison of bitterness because I won't forgive and won't reconcile. And I'm hoping it'll kill this guy right over here. Did you all hear me? I'm drinking the poison thinking the person who, who, who I'm hurt by or bitter about is going to die. You all need to hear me preach or say amen or snore or something. Cripple, cripple life? David could have said, pardon me, Mephibosheth could have said, I'm not going anywhere where David is because he's looking to kill us. If he had any sense, he'd kill me because I'm to be the descendant of Saul on the throne. But somewhere along the way, if you need grace, you're going to have to be willing to understand I'm a product of grace. Because not only do you have to give up your crippled life, but you have to give up that crippled mentality. When Mephibosheth was brought into the presence of the king, having been carried by the king's entourage, he fell down on his face. He laid on his face. The word prostrate means to fall on your face. He's on his face. He's, he's eating the dust. He's, he's biting the dust. He's crippled already, but he's on his face. And while on his face, the king says, Mephibosheth! And he lifts up his head. And just with his lameness, Uh, who am I that you should look on a dead dog dead dog is who I was and you were when grace found us oh I just feel like something good is I ain't looking for promotion I'm just going to preach. Crippled mentality. If you think in your mind you're a dead dog, you lack like a dead dog. You forget that thinking after grace finds you. Okay? Because, oh my Lord. Because here's what grace will do. And I'm hurrying. Grace is where you discover who you were born to be. 
Mephibosheth was born to be a prince. His grandfather's sin placed him in Lodabar. But God said through David, you need to remember how you got here and who brought you. And you need to give away some grace to somebody who can't give you any grace. And so David said to him, Mephibosheth, oh help me Jesus. I am not only going to give you your position of royalty back. Mephibosheth. I'm going to make you like one of the king's sons. Can I get an amen here? Mephibosheth, you're going to be in the royal family with royalty for your name. And I am going to give you all of your grandfather's land back. All of his lives. Oh, that's, that's grace. Grace sometimes doesn't just start with today. Grace goes back and restores what the locusts have eaten of your crops. Grace goes back and repairs the bad divorce, the bad addiction, the bad jail sentence, the bad reputation. Grace just goes back and says, I'm giving it all back to you and I'll restore it. And you can eat at the table of God for the rest of your life. Four different times in our text. Four different times. David said to Ziba and David said to Mephibosheth, You will eat at the king's table continually. And at the king's table, they didn't eat no crystal burgers and fries. I've had days when I would like to have a crystal burger. But this Thanksgiving, I hope Miss Valerie ain't serving up no crystal burger and fries. Because I'll be looking for grace from some of you. <laughs> you will eat at the king's table every day. Here, here's the grace of God. <laughs> Woo! God's grace is where you embrace God's favor at his son's expense. Uh, Mephibosheth, I ain't doing this because of you, boy. I'm doing this because of your daddy. I'm blessing you for your daddy's sake. Grace is where we get God's favor for Jesus' sake. Ain't nothing we done, earned, or bought. Growing up, I realized how many times, as I got older and had children of my, have children of my own, I realized how many times in my growing up years I was blessed for somebody else's sake, mainly my mom and dad. Growing up, when I graduated high school, I sent cards of celebration and cards of my graduation date, like students do now and should, of my upcoming graduation, knowing that I might get some grace. Green grace. But you know, when I sent those cards out, I didn't send it to my high school friends. They're broke as I am. I must waste my cards on them. I send them to my friends and my mommy and my daddy. Yeah. When I got married 34 years ago, the 22nd of next month, she's not here. I'll be in the next service. That'll get me some grace. I'll say it again. Uh, 34 years ago, we sent cards of come to our wedding. But we sent them mostly to mom and daddy's friends because our college friends were as broke as we were. I can't tell you the number of preaching engagements I got when I was learning to preach and starting out because of my father's name. 
My father's 82 years old. He'll preach this morning in Greenville, South Carolina. You know, I tell you this on occasion. We pray with him every Sunday at 9 o'clock, me and my, our prayer team. And because of Sam Matura, they let Alan Matura, a practicing little novice preacher, come and preach in their pulpit. I didn't, I didn't get grace to preach in somebody's pulpit because of my name. You all ain't hearing me, somebody. For Jonathan's sake. You and I are blessed for Jesus' sake. Yeah. For G- Jesus died for us. Muhammad didn't die for you. Hare Krishna didn't die for you. Sun Young Moon didn't die for you. You get groceries and gasoline and housing and clothes and breath in your lung and walking in your feet and seeing in your eye and reaching in your hand and grabbing in your fingers. You get all of that for Jesus' sake. Stand up, everybody. And after you stood up, clap your hands for Jesus' sake. Come on. Come on. Give the Lord some praise in this house. Hallelujah for grace. Hallelujah for grace. Come on, come on, come on and praise Him. Come praise team, get ready. <laughs> now look at this preacher. Mm. I'm talking to some people right now. Right now. Who need to drag your lameness from there up here. And quit letting the devil make you think you are a dead dog. Look at me everybody. They ain't got no breakfast waiting for you right now or no dinner at no place that's greater than the grace of God, okay? Listen, I don't mean to be unkind, but just tarry with me. All you're going to do is go home, change clothes, get in your restful clothes, and you deserve to rest. But right now, give me a little more grace here, and let's get somebody covered, okay? Let's get somebody, let's get somebody out of their lameness. That's the Holy Ghost. He says, get out of your Lodabar and get close to God. Get out of your lameness. Quit dragging your lameness. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. If you're like me, sometimes my lameness is not because I was dropped. It's sometimes because I dropped God. Bow your heads all over this house. Sometimes my lameness is nobody's fault. I quit praying like I should. I quit reading the Bible like I should. I start criticizing and finding fault, thinking I'm my own ego. Come on, bow your heads all over this house. Sometimes we just, we're not drop. We just sit down and plop down and say, bless God, I'm sick of this. That's as good as the devil would have you to be. Don't you let anybody hold you hostage this morning. Don't you let Lodabar keep you in Lodabar. The only people I want moving are the prayer team. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just the prayer team. Just come and wait, prayer team. If nobody comes, that's fine. If everybody comes, that's fine. You just come. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Pastor Matura, I've been a product of grace before. But I stand here on this eve of the week of Thanksgiving. And I need some more grace. I got to leave Lodabar and my lameness. I got to leave my crippled mentality and my crippled living. I got to leave all that stuff and let, let the joy of the Lord come back in my life. That would be you. Nobody looking. That would be you. If you need salvation or restoration or forgiveness, raise your hand. 
Raise your hand. I don't care if you've been saved 20 years, but you're not doing like you should now, but you need grace. Thank you. Many hands. Thank you for being, for being somebody who says, I'm not going to let it come. Put, put them down now. Put them down. Oh, I bless your name, Jesus. Now your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, and I, I want to address another group of people. I've gotten grace, and I'm okay. But pastor, I need to give some grace. I need to be like David. There are a few people that, that have hurt me and I can live without them, but I'm not so sure that the Lord wants me to live like that. And I need to be a grace giver. A grace giver. More than I am now. Might you raise your hands and lift it up now if you haven't before? Let the love us Lord. Put them down, please. Thank you. Here we are, God. Crippled, lame, dead dogs, if it wasn't for grace. But because of grace, somebody carried us. The Holy Ghost carried us to you. Because of grace, we don't have to farm our fields, plant our crops, pull out the bitter roots. We can just come up to your table and you'll have it spread. Because of your grace, we have left Lodabah forever. We have royal blood flowing through our veins. Because of your grace, our name is in the book that matters the most. Not the phone book, but the book of life. Thank you for your grace. Everybody lift up your hands now and begin to praise Him. Open your eyes and look up to heaven. Sing, Pastor Chad. Everybody sing with him. We got a few moments. Come on. Say it. That's us. Sing it. You may put your arms down for just a moment. Look, look here. If you don't give a hoot about what somebody cares about you, but you give everything about what God cares about you and Jesus, you don't care what you look like and you don't care what somebody thinks on a public open invitation. You say, Pastor Allen, I'm going to leave from where I am. And whatever lameness I may limp up to you and to this altar, but I'm leaving walking erect because I'm going to put some works, walk to my faith. I need to just come to the altar and just give God thanks for his deliverance or come to the altar and just be prayed for. Come now. Sing it one more time and then we'll go in a moment. Lift your hands again. Come from everywhere.